So I just need to ask this morning, is there anybody in here in the room today that is really glad that Jesus is alive? Is that true? Okay. Well, that helps me set the stage for what we want to talk about this morning. And I love this phrase. It means so much to me, and that is this. What death did to Jesus is nothing to compare with what Jesus did to death. Can you say amen to that today? He's conquered it. Bless his name. If you have your Bibles with you, turn uh, to the book of Acts. We're going to take a look through chapter 1 and chapter 2 this morning because I want to talk about why we even have a day like this. I want to talk about the power of the resurrection. Do you believe and do you agree with me this morning that there is power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Last year, I found myself in a couple of different settings with other pastors and meetings and conferences and uh, consortiums, all kinds of different meetings. And um, I, I probably told you before that I often feel awkward in those settings because sometimes the nature of the conversation is a little different than maybe what I was expecting and I can easily feel like a foreigner. Uh, because I've gone to those meetings with an assumption that we're going to focus on the person of Jesus, we're going to open the Word of God, and quite often what I find in those meetings was really that they were about church methodology and marketing. That's a lot of what I hear. There'll be like three steps, three steps to growth of this kind, and five steps to having a, a better coffee shop in your church, and all kinds of different things that they want to talk about, uh, but yet I don't often hear, them, often hear them talking about the person of Jesus and even opening the Word of God. We're talking about methods that are taking place in the church. I had um, one of the pastors at one of the meetings I was at, he asked me, he said, Dan, what business model are you modeling Bethesda, uh, Bethesda Church after? Are you going after the Starbucks model? I didn't even know how to answer that. So the truth is, I look across the landscape of our country today, I see the church today, I hear lots of things that are taking place in the church, and I know that we're dealing with a new culture. I know that the methods of communication have changed. Those have changed here as well. I know that we're dealing with a, a younger age demographic, and I know that all kinds of things have changed, and I, I hear all the cute phrases of what the church is now supposed to be today, and I watch it as it's morphing from one thing to another and one thing to another. But I have to be honest with you that when it comes to this day and the significance of this day and why we celebrate this day, all of those conversations leave me quite empty within because I find that deep within my soul there is a resonance with the heart cry and the life pursuit of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the power of his resurrection. Is anybody with me here this morning? Paul is reaching the end of his ministry and it's calling out to remind all of us that a return to the book of Acts is a return to the power of his resurrection. Easter must be a reminder to us that Christianity is not just a philosophy. It's not just a tradition. It's not just a history as wonderful it is as it is. It's, it's not even a holy site. Buddhism is a system of ideas, precepts, and life rules and philosophies. Islam and Hinduism are centered on a holy site and on striving to please a God and pilgrimages and a holy temple. But the heart of Christianity, hear me this morning, is not philosophy. 
selfies. The heart of Christianity is not a sight. The heart of Christianity is a person and the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrected Christ who lived, who died, who rose again, who, who fills us every day with the power of the resurrection. Put your hands together and bless the Lord for that today. We don't go on, on a pilgrimage to a holy temple. You know what? We become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives and dwells inside of us. Aren't you grateful for that today like I am? And that's why Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the wisdom and the spirit uh, of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, church, on this resurrection day of 2018, Christ is still calling us. Regardless how the world around us might be changing, regardless how the culture is shifting and changing all kinds of ideas, we are still being called to receive, to walk in, and to be renewed by His power, and it's the incredible power of the resurrection. Somebody say amen. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a verse that you know so well, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. That word in the Greek is marturos. Marturos. You will be witnesses unto me. That word marturos is mentioned 39 times in the New Testament. And here's what it means. It means to stand steadfast. It's from this word that we get our English word martyr, the one who stands and who stands by the supernatural power of God. But I want to take this word power. We're going to talk about the power of the resurrection today. The truth is there's at least three words that we see in the New Testament, Greek words for this word power, and I, I just want to unpack them for just a second. The first one is you'll receive power. You'll receive dunamis. Say that word with me, which is supernatural strength. It's power. It's moral power. It's excellency in spirit in us and through us. It's, it's a dynamic of renewed strength. It's a, a divine capacity, a, a supernatural influence. It's supernatural power to stand no matter what comes against you. How many of you will take a dose of that today? Let me see your hand. Supernatural power, dunamis, to stand no matter what comes against you. There's a second word that we see in the New Testament, second Greek word for power, and it's called kratos, kratos. We find it in the 19th chapter of Acts. And what that is is this. It is a sovereign capacity for kingdom work. A sovereign capacity for kingdom work. And when I look at what all took place here yesterday and I see all of the incredible volunteers and, and it, that's not happening because people just have discretionary time on their hands. It's happening because they've been, they've been captured by the love of Jesus and they believe in His church, the living glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ and they give themselves to it over and over and they sacrificially give their time. It's crazy. 
kratos, a sovereign capacity for kingdom work. I want, I want you to know the work of Bethesda Church today is born, maintained, renewed, and multiplied by the kratos, by the power, by the authority to establish his kingdom in literally every sphere of our lives. The power of God that he has made available to us through the resurrection is not just for 90 minutes in church on Sunday. The power of God is with you to enable you to stand for him, to be renewed in him, to excel for him in your study, to excel in your place of work, to excel in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, and to and, and, and supernatural witness to establish his kingdom. Kratos. Say that word with me, please. Kratos. Sovereign capacity for kingdom work. And the third word that we have for power from the New Testament is this word exousia. Exousia found in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. So what is that word? We haven't heard that very often. Here's what we understand. That word is the power to open their eyes. Exousia, the power to open their eyes. Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sin. How many are thankful this morning for exousia, that someone allowed your eyes to be open? And I want to just ask this, just by upraised hand and for the purposes of us giving testimony here this morning, I want to know, raise your hand if any of these you're thankful for in your life. How many of you are thankful for his power that transferred you out of darkness into glorious light? that he transferred you from one kingdom into another kingdom. Is that anybody else? He transferred me out from under Satan's ruling my life to freedom in Christ, bless the Lord. He transferred me from generational addiction and destructive habits to a life of liberty. Who's thankful for that today? He transferred me from bitterness and hatred into a kingdom of forgiveness and reconciliation. He transferred us, church, from hatred to love, from death to life from brokenness into the blessing of God and from every trial that we've ever gone through to a testimony of his power. Who's thankful today? Then bless the Lord in this house for resurrection power. For every mountain he's brought me over. Choir sings it so well. For every trial he's seen me through. Who's got a testimony this morning? For every blessing, hallelujah, for this I give him praise because of his power. It is all by the power of the resurrection living in us. Dunamis, kratos, exousia. And now in Acts chapter 1 and 2, Luke gives us four reminders, and this is really my message to you today, four reminders and distinct marks of resurrection power. What distinctively it is, and I think we'll discover along the way, some things it is not. So let me read Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, and after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, 
being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Four marks of this resurrection power. If you're taking notes, this is the first one, number one. Our power, this resurrection power that we have as believers, it is not momentary, it is perpetual. Say that with me. It is not momentary. Many of you know my dear friend Randy Hurst who uh, has spoken here often and Randy is very knowledgeable about languages, particularly English and, and Greek. If you ever have grammar questions, he's my, he's my go-to, he's my phone-a-friend for that. And he's uh, not only knowledgeable of that but other languages as well, Samoan and others. He's often talked to us about, and he loves the language as I do, he's, he's even given me a greater love for the language, about the important of, importance of when you look at a, uh, at a verb, you really must understand what is the tense of that verb. In English, we know we have past tense and present tense and future tense, and there's other present, perfect, past, all of those. But, but Randy, my friend, teaches us, and particularly in Greek, that you need to understand if you're talking about the punctiliar tense or the linear tense. The punctiliar tense indicates that you're speaking of a point in time. Punctiliar, a point in time. But if you're using the linear tense of that verb when you're speaking, then you are speaking of that which is durative, has duration to it. It is continuous and it is progressive. Linear, like on a line. Punctiliar, like a point on that line. And you can be thankful that your English class is now over, say, Amen. But, but the good news to us, church, is that the power of the resurrection which resides within us, it is not punctiliar. It is not limited to just one point in time. The power of the resurrection in us, it is not momentary. Or it, it, it is linear or perpetual. And Luke starts off the book of Acts by reminding O Theophilus, whose name means lover of God, that in his gospel of Luke, he had written of all that Jesus had begun both to do and to teach. And I want you to know it is not, when we look at this book of Acts, even though probably on the front of uh, the first chapter of, of the book of Acts, it says the Acts of the Apostles, and it's called that. But I'm going to give you something a little more precise, that those 28 chapters of that book are the Acts of Jesus through his apostles. And not only that, but I'm here to make it clear this morning that those Acts that took place in that book of Acts, they are not momentary in time. They are perpetual go going on. Did you hear me? And I would like to announce that they are perpetual right through to us today. They have not stopped. What I'm essentially saying is the book of Acts is still alive in the church. Blessed be his name. The first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1 all mention Jesus in, in one way or another. And it is amazing. it's an amazing balance when you really look at it and, and study it, the, 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 uh, the balance between the things Jesus did and the things that he taught. And Luke is essentially saying to us, look at our model. 
Look at Jesus, who is our perfect example, and look at what he did. And essentially, you see this. He was born of the Spirit. He was led of the Spirit. Jesus fulfilled his calling by the Spirit. He healed by the Spirit. He confronted demons by the Spirit. He brought freedom by the Spirit. He was strengthened by the Spirit. He rejoiced in the Spirit, and he was raised from the dead by the Spirit. So why, did that, why should that mean anything to you and me today? Well, if we understand that the book of Acts has not stopped, that it was not just punctiliar or, or, or momentary to a period of time, then we can go back at these things and say, I have been born of the Spirit. I am led daily by the Spirit. I am fulfilling my calling by the Spirit. I have been healed by the Spirit. I can even confront demons by the Spirit. I have been brought freedom by the Spirit. I am being strengthened day by day by the Spirit. I am rejoicing in the Spirit. And I have been raised from death to life by the Spirit of God. Bless His name. And all of that is just what Jesus began to do. Just what He began to do. What Jesus began to do in his human body during the time of his ministry on earth, it continues today and is multiplied on earth through his spiritual body, the church. And every single one of us are able to continue in the works of Christ by the power of the resurrection. Oh, I hope I'm stirring somebody up today. If in any way you've allowed the understanding of the power of the resurrection in you, within you to grow cold or be diminished in any way, it's time on this Easter Sunday to fan the flame and realize that he's alive for a reason, and that's so that you can experience daily the power of the resurrection in your everyday life. Somebody say hallelujah. We saw it enacted before us this morning. And here's what we need to say about the work of the cross Hallelujah. The work of the cross of salvation and redemption. Never, 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 never let us take those words or those actions lightly. The, the, the finished work of the cross of salvation and redemption, it is complete, it is perfect, and it is final. The work of the cross is complete, it is perfect, and it is final. Nothing can be added to his life. Nothing can be added to his death, and nothing can be added to his resurrection. It was Jesus in the 17th chapter of John who was speaking to his father, and he says, I have finished the work you have given me to do. His great and perfect work in you is completed. Can anybody say amen? His work is completed, but his mission must be accomplished and fulfilled through each of us as we are filled and renewed by the dunamis power of the Spirit of God. And that power is not momentary. It is not punctiliar. It is not a moment in history. That which took place in the book of Acts, hear me carefully, is not a moment in history that died with the apostles. Let me try the balcony. The book of Acts did not die with the apostles' balcony. That power is a movement that is alive today, that is still transforming humanity through us. 
I love a quote that I discovered by Winston Churchill when they were experiencing an early, an early victory from the war and people began uh, uh, celebrating quickly and starting to rejoice over it looked like it was the ending of the war and Churchill gave this warning to the people. He said this, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. In fact, what we are experiencing, what we're seeing, it is an end that announces a beginning. Now, let me say that again. This is not the end. And he was speaking of the war. This is not even the beginning of the end. In fact, this is an end that announces a beginning. And I draw that parallel to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an end that announces the beginning of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ walking every one of us in his power, continuing such things that Jesus began to do and to teach. We are carrying on his work, and we are privileged and honored to be able to do it, and we are doing it in a power that is not momentary. It is perpetual. Jesus announced many times in the Gospels, gave them many warnings. He says, I'm going to leave you. I will leave but I'm going to send a comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will fill you, and you will do greater works. How many of you have heard that verse? verse, Greater works than these, and many have questioned that over the years, but I want you to know those greater works have continued every day since the resurrection all the way to April 1 of 2018, and that prophecy of Christ is fulfilled. Now, here's where you might get confused. Our works are not greater in demonstration when he raised the dead and healed entire cities, but I would ask you to consider it this way. You must understand that Jesus touched thousands of people over a 100-kilometer radius. But every day today in 2018 around the world, millions and millions and millions of people are touched and saved and delivered because the glorious body of Christ, the glorious church of Jesus is activated by the resurrection power of Christ to do the works of Christ. And therefore, Greater works are we doing every day in increasing exponential intensity in these last days as the continuing spiritual body of Christ. He will send the Holy Spirit for greater works. Somebody say, bless the Lord. The book of Acts does not end. And I stand here to say boldly, it has not ended. And I want you to notice something in your Bible. As you read your Bible in the New Testament... You might have noticed that when you read the epistles of Paul and others, that there is uh, uh, typically at the front of those letters, those epistles, there's a heading, much like our emails have today. You see the name of of who sent it, and then there will be something that indicates what the topic is essentially going to be, where we would put it in the subject line of our email. And then usually all of these, the pattern of all the epistles that we see in the New Testament, at the end of each letter or epistle, you have something like, be sure uh, to say hello to so-and-so. Be sure that you're going to pray for this one or that one. Or, or, Or the writer might be saying, I plan to do this. I will do this. I will do that. There is a greeting. There's a beginning. And there's an ending to those epistles. But when you come to the last chapter of the book of Acts in chapter 28, it would be very easy to possibly wonder if you got gypped when you went to the Bible bookstore and bought that Bible that they ripped the last couple of pages out of the book of Acts. 
because you assume there's some information that is missing at the end if you are holding the book of Acts up to the other epistles. But here's what I'm telling you today. There is no formal closing to the book of Acts. There is no ending to the book of Acts. You have Paul preaching in that last chapter under the power of the Spirit, and the book simply does not come to an end. And here's why. Because the book of Acts has not ended. It is not closed. It's not, there is no more of it. It is not momentary. It is not punctiliar. It is continuing every day in all of our lives. The power of the resurrection is alive and well today. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. It's not over. It's not over. Our power is not momentary. It's perpetual. Number two, our power is not for material gain. It's for His purposes. Say that with me. Our power. I continue in the first chapter of Acts going to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you have heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, we've read that probably many, many times. And suddenly, the day comes when you read it and you go, what? What, what just happened here? This is, this is incredible. When you understand what Jesus is saying, and what their response is. And let me just unpack it for you, make it clear. Jesus essentially is saying, you stay here in Jerusalem, and when you do, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you with my power. That ought to be enough to ask, to cause anybody to shout. You will have all the plan of redemption from ages past, from thousands of years to this day. He's telling them, you're going to be filled with my spirit and you will go and I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to submerge you with my resurrection power. How many know that's good news if you're sitting there? And then you're going to become life to others through the impact of the ministry that I'm giving you. And it's going to impact not only your generation, but for generations to come. It's going to impact the extremities of the earth. It's going to change the eternal destiny of countless millions of souls for the ages. That's what he's saying to them. And the response was this. Lord, um, is now the time you're going to establish the kingdom? Is this the... Is this now the time that you're going to make us kings? Is, is, is this the time now that you're going to take us out from under the Roman bondage? And you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you realize they missed it. They completely missed it. Lord, is now... Is it now that you're going to set us up in, in, in power and prosperity? You know, you know how you talked about um, one of us will be on your right hand and one's going to be on the left. What did he just tell them? Life-changing news. Incredible mission. And they want to know who's going to be on the right and who's going to be on the left. Just days before he sat with them at the Last Supper 
and he gave them the utmost of his love. He told them that he would have to die and resurrect. And a couple of them in that moment choose that atmosphere, that situation, and say, Lord, can I be your vice president? And my brother wants to be the treasurer. And you know what? They even got mom to come over and ask if her boys could be in his cabinet. In other words, what they were saying is, this is all great. I love to hear you talk about all that. But what are we going to get out of this? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And instead of an understanding that the power of the resurrection is not for our personal gain, it's for the advancement of his purposes and his kingdom. And I can't leave it alone. Do you know how rampant that deviation from God's purposes is still today? Now get really quiet on me. This is where you get really quiet. God will make you the head. God will make you a prince. God will elevate you to a position of power and prosperity. God is going to give you material wealth. And he's going to give you political and social status. Now hear me, church. God will bless you. God does want to bless you as you trust in him and sow into his kingdom. Let me just say I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I still believe that the word of God is true in Matthew where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and these things will be added unto you. But the miraculous power of the resurrection does not equate with material possessions and wealth. Thank you for that one amen, sister. Charles Charles Spurgeon said this. You listening? If the message is truly of God, then it has to be true around the world and it has to be true throughout history. If the message is truly of God, then it has to be true not in just Texas. It has to be true around the world and it has to be true from ages past forward. This message of, that we're hearing, if you have faith, you're going to be rich in material things. If you, can I just tell you, that doesn't preach very well in Haiti or Bangladesh or Nepal or Malawi. I've been privileged to be there, spoke in those countries or in Malawi. And it does not work in most of the, that same message does not work in most of the inner cities of the United States of America, dear friends. In these last days, we must remind ourselves by saying this, Lord, bring me back to the seeking of your power, not for my personal gain or elevation, but truly for the glory of the name of Jesus and him alone. I just won some brownie points with two people. (laughs) Because church, we have preachers today telling people, If you want to be rich, if you want to succeed, then you have to sow into the lives of a rich person, typically him. And they'll even tell you, don't give to the poor. Don't help with the benevolence offering of Bethesda where we minister to the disenfranchised right here of this city, this part of this city. Don't bless what is cursed. Bless what is blessed. 
And honestly, here's what it does to me. This is the response that, 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 that it, it evokes in me. When I hear that kind of, don't give to the poor, don't do that. It makes me want to shout out today the words of Jesus, which he said to remind us of the true power of the resurrection, when Jesus said, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor and to heal broken hearts, to give sight to the blind, to set captives free, and to bring justice to the oppressed. The power of the resurrection is not momentary, it's perpetual. The power of the resurrection is not for our material gain. It's for His purposes and glory. Number three, I'm going to wrap up here pretty quick. The power of the resurrection is not for a fixation on an eschatological or future mystery. It is for the present. The power of the resurrection is not just about tomorrow. Thank God it is about tomorrow. It is not for a fixation on an eschatological mystery. Some people have their entire eggs in that basket, if I can use that metaphor. Let me go on with verse number 7 of the first chapter of Acts. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons. It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. It is not for us to know the times of the seasons. It is not for us to know. He says, but I will give you power, and you'll be my witnesses, my martyros, and you'll go around the earth filled with my spirit to heal and deliver, to shine for me, and to be my living epistles by my grace, and to, and to model my life and my message. Now go! It's the message he gave us. And you don't need all the details. I know you like details. I know you want to know what's going to happen every step of the way. You don't need all the details. You just need to know your part. Now go. And the Bible says the disciples stood there staring. And I think they would still be standing there if the angel had not come down and said, Hey, men of Galilee, what are you doing? He came. He'll come back. Now do what he said. Now go. And I believe, church, that the Spirit of God is still saying to us today, the power of the resurrection is not for a fixation on an eschatological mystery. It is for the present. And here's what I want you to hear today. The truth of his return is our promise. Somebody say, bless the Lord. The truth of his, do you believe the Lord is going to return? Raise your hand. The truth of his return is our promise, but the time of his return is not our priority nor our pursuit. The truth is of his return is our promise, 
But the time of his return is not our priority or our pursuit. Our priority is to be filled with his spirit, witness with his spirit, heal by his spirit, deliver by his spirit, speak by his spirit. We are not to know the times and seasons. And guess what? There are large segments of the body of Christ that are still staring into the heavens trying to dissect the signs of his return. End time specialists with books and blogs and websites and conferences and tapes and whatever. And if you've been around a while like me, then you've watched some of those same folks have to adjust their story and uh, and their interpretation, trying to make it fit into the events as they actually happen. You still love me? If you're old enough to remember 1988, one of the best-selling Christian books was 88 Reasons Why Jesus Returns in 88. And we happen to notice that the sales of that book went dramatically down in 1989. Their eyes were fixed on heaven, which is good, but their fixation was also on the moment. Church, the moment is and remains unknown. Meanwhile, the mission is unlimited. The moment is unknown, but the mission is unlimited. We are to be filled with His Spirit and to do His good works. Let me just tell you what is settled within my heart. This is my position. You can have your own. But I am much more concerned with how I will leave this earth than when I will leave it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when I say how I will leave I'm talking about the, the position of my heart the condition of my walk with Christ, uh, the way I pastor this church and love each of you and my wife and my I'm much more concerned about how I will leave this earth than when I will leave it or even when he will return. That's in God's hands. Can I get a witness today? Church, the power of the resurrection is for faith, for fire, for fruit, for it's his mission, not for a fixation on the moment. We are to be filled with his power to reach the extremities of the earth, starting with our own community. Jesus did not walk what he did and go through all of the things we see depicted on these screens just to make you and me good church people. Did you know that? That was not the purpose. The agony that he suffered on the cross Everything that he went through was not so that you and I could come and sit in a nice service for 90 minutes a week and then go out and do our own thing. We are to be given power to live the life he has called us to live and to continue his good works that he began. Somebody say amen. A power is not momentary. It is perpetual. It's not for material gain. It's for his purposes. Our power is not for a fixation on an eschatological mystery. It is for the present. Brent, would you come? Everyone, please just remain in your seats as we finish the service. There's a fourth one, very quickly. The power of the resurrection is not for the multitudes only. It is also personal. In Acts chapter 1, from verse 13 forward, they enter into the upper room, and what you see starting in verse 13, is a list of names, ordinary names. And I know that when we use terms like the power of God, it sounds big and massive and and you think largeness. We have a tendency to think of the power of God for the masses, and we relegate it to that only. And crowds where thousands are saved and and for ministry of the nations, uh, ministry to the nations of the world. 
And I thank God for every evangelist, Stephen Evans, who's here today and in this, in this service, and the incredible gift God has given him. And he will reach the throngs of people as we join him in Honduras in July. Thank God for all of that. He's functioning in his calling. But you and I do not typically view this world through the eye of the masses. In fact, my vantage point is completely different than yours is today. There's an old saying that says this, the view from the pew is not the same as the view from the pulpit. Selah. Just remember that next time you come in my office. The view from the pew is not the same as the view from the pulpit. What I'm seeing is hundreds of people. The balcony, main floor, and the choir, musicians. What you're seeing, if you're looking in this direction, is one person. So it is completely different. And we tend to think of the power of God, and we view it, uh, we view it as though it has to do with masses. But the masses, most people don't view with the eye of the masses. We view it as one individual person. And it's so notable to me that there are simple names of individuals given in, in that 13th verse. People with great personal needs just like you and me today. Walked in with in that upper room with stuff, <laughs> issues, we would say today. The stuff of life taking place. The power of the resurrection is not only for the multitudes. It's not only for people in vocational ministry. It's not only for people involved in missions. The power of the resurrection is for you. You know what happened in that upper room? There were three signs that came. You know what they are. First of all, there was a sound like the rushing mighty wind. It was the, it was the pneuma, the ruach of God, the wind, the breath of God. And I think there are many of us in the room today who are ready for that wind to blow over us and to do it personally. We also know they spoke, spoke in languages they'd never learned. It's the miraculous power for communication spirit to spirit. But it's this third thing that I just want to draw your attention to as we bring this to a close. There was this incredible power that came on the day of Pentecost because of the power of the resurrection. And let's talk about how it didn't come. It didn't come as this massive ball of fire that overwhelmed them and, and they couldn't even take it in and knocked them all over. This massive, it didn't come that way. It wasn't a message to the masses. In fact, the uniqueness of the way God did is so interesting. The Bible says it's cloven tongues of fire that did what? Sat upon each of them. It sat upon each of them. The Holy Spirit does come as a mighty wind, but He also comes very personally in the hearts of those who are simply seeking Him, even within the quiet of their own heart today. And so just let me ask you as we start to close, how has this Easter Day 2018 found you? Maybe your heart has been stirred today that recognize that you need a Savior. There are some of you in this room today, absolutely, you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you saw the enactment of the drama this morning and what took place, and it moved your heart. I turned around, I saw some people wiping tears from their eyes. When you at least had the slightest knowledge that Christ endured the cross for you, Everything that took place, it was to pay for you. Your sin had to be paid for. It should have been you that paid it. It should have been me who paid for me. But that's not what happened. He paid the price. 
And the call is going out to you today. Just say yes to Jesus. I accept your work on the cross. I believe you did it for me, that you died for my sin. Why don't you bow your heads with me just for a second? Because I'm going to put that invitation out. Is there anybody in the house today that says, Pastor Dan, that's me. I recognize through what I've seen today, what's taken place. I need to say yes to Jesus. Easter 2018 has found me extremely lost. And it's time for me to come to Christ and give him my all. If that's you, would you simply just lift your hand very quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Someone else in the balcony? Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Then let me ask it this way. Has Easter 2018 found you as a believer? Yes. Know that if you died, you would go to heaven? Yes. But somehow you realize that the idea of walking in the power of the resurrection has dissipated from you. It's been waning in you, and that is not what you're able to say today. But today you've been stirred in your heart, and you want to understand again the purpose and the mission God has for you. And you want to walk in the fullness of the power that he has for you. If there's anyone in the house that's responding to that, just so I can pray for it, would you raise your hand if that's you? Raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I see that. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Lord Jesus, we just come to you in this moment. For those who are simply saying yes to you, whether it's the first time or whether they're coming back to you, Lord, I pray that transformation will take place within them today. That you will literally transform their minds and their hearts. They'll be born of the Spirit of God today simply because they're saying yes to you. Let it be in Jesus' name. And for those, Lord, who are simply saying today that they recognize that they're not walking in the power that Christ has made available to them. They're not walking according to the book of Acts. They're not fulfilling that, but they want to. Their hearts are inclined to you. Lord, give us the grace to respond. Lord, put us on our knees, whether it's in the middle of the night, whenever it is, to hunger and thirst after you in a way that we have never done before. Lord, let it happen in our hearts as we go from this place today on this Resurrection Sunday. Renew within us. Stir up our affections for Jesus. Renew hearts within us to long for you in a way we never have before. For those who feel like they've just slipped further and further, bring them back to you today, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.